Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Explicit Measures podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Hello, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Good morning. It has been and, a good holiday. Yeah. Just a cold <sighs> one, though. Happy Tuesday to you. A lot of happies. Oh, it's it's good to see you guys. I hope you had a wonderful holiday uh, time. I know what is this? Two days after Christmas now? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes. We're ramping down. It's been we've done the craziness that is family and all the places you have to be on the two days that you have, or day or two days you have. I don't know how you guys do your Christmases, but we spread it out over two days because of all the family members. Everyone for us is local, so. Yeah, I know um, the most exciting part of the holiday season is after this podcast, I'm getting my car and we're going to lunch. Exactly right. That's, that's the most exciting part of your holiday no, season. I'm OK. Let me rephrase it. I'm incredibly excited for that. Oh, so, okay. yeah. I, I'm realizing with presents, if I was more petty, I would itemize all the presents the kids get and see if they last until next year. But I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that because it's the holidays. but like my wife buys all the gifts and I, I'm just looking at everything going. It's not, it's not incredible a lot, like a lot, but it's like, okay, where's that going? Okay. That's not going to last. Kind of thing. Because like, it's more just because I have a raccoon who's, you know, like anything that's relatively delicate. My son is going to get destroyed. So I'm like, why do we get that? Okay. All right. All right. And you just kind of take a step back. So, but that's the holiday season. Their faces though. Right. That's what it's all about. I feel like as I got older, like the excitement of Christmas kind of started getting like a little bit less and less because I was, I, I was having this epiphany with me and my kids or as we're doing this and going, when you were little, it was exciting to get any, any little thing, a book, a, you know, whatever the toy, whatever it was. <laughs> then as you get older, the toys or the expectations, I think you're weathered into this, like the expectations increase. The to the like the things that you want, like now the kids are all asking for. We want phones and watches, and I'm like, dude, those things are expensive. Yeah, <laughs> um, you're not getting any of that stuff. But I think there's like this tampering of expectations as like you as you get older, the things that you want to have are like more expensive because now it's like Xboxes and you know Nintendo mm -hmm. Switches or whatever. So they, this, the the price of those things go up. And the parents' income doesn't increase with the expectations of Christmas. <laughs> right. There, there is that. There is that. But you bring up a, an interesting point uh, about the not disillusionment, but like as you, you're a kid, Christmas is awesome because you're just getting stuff. It's presents. You like. Yeah. It's just cool. Everything. But as you get older, it's like one of those parenting things. Like you've got to do all the work. You got to pay. Hundred percent true. It's like, you know, so as, you know, it, but at the same time, like to Tommy's, like look the look on the faces, right? Like it, it's, it's special for them and seeing that, you know, how special it is for them is where the joy and uh, the joy of it comes from, I think. Yeah. And it's not like, not just in the giving, right? Part of it. Um, or I should say maybe it's more about the giving part of it and seeing how the kids you know, use it as opposed to like getting something because I'm on the other side, right? Like if I need something, I, I go get it. it. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, the difference. That's, yes. You know, <laughs> that's the difference, Mike. I think that's why it became less special when you went, why do I have to wait till December? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like December is now. <laughs> I do. I, I now that you mentioned that Seth, like I remember, I remember growing up and having a distinct moment where I was like, it's actually more fun to give things than to get them. And I think I remember as a kid going through that stage and was like, oh, oh, I think I get it now. Like, and you're, you're like, it's the love you have, it was love you have for everyone else and the joy you want them to see and the excitement you want them to have, you know, being very thoughtful about the gifts. That's, that's something else I think that was, I remember feeling those, I remember those, those, those Christmases where I was like, I get it. I think I get it now. I think I understand. Like, is it, when you're young, you don't really know. Three sizes that day. And my, my heart grew three sizes. And I returned all the presents back to the Who's in Whoville. Excellent. Did you guys watch any favorite Christmas movies? What's your What's your favorite Christmas movie that you guys kind of have to watch every year? There is there uh, the a kid, one. The kids were old enough, so this was their first round with a Christmas story. Oh, I thought uh, you were going to say Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is a holiday, which is absolutely a Christmas movie. 
So I think my favorite is like Elf. And I, I literally, every year I watch it and I, I absolutely laugh out loud during the movie when it's playing and yeah. the kids go, Dad, yep. why yeah. are you out loud again? There was a bundle, was a bundle um, I think on Xbox or something of uh, oh. Elf, Christmas Story, Home Alone, and National Lampoon's oh, wow. Christmas Vacation. Mm-hmm. And two of, two of those we can't introduce to the kids yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> they, did do, <laughs> they did do Elf and they did yeah. do uh, A Christmas Story and they... They had that. Even that was pushing a little bit with the Christmas stories. The there are some like moments. There, there are some parts in there where you're just like, yeah, yeah we don't do that. That's not good. This, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't get Red Rider but, like, anymore. But the, but the uh, you'll shoot your eye out. It's, yeah. it's, it's a classic. Man. Uh, a good sentimentally, one. it's Frosty, like the '50s Frosty. Oh, the because, Frosty. Yeah. Oh. yeah, because I didn't realize this until this year. But Frosty's from the Bronx, apparently, because he's like, because I think back in the day in the 40s, like everyone just had an accent, like strong accents. Listen to it again. Everyone's from the Bronx. Seriously, tell me I'm wrong. You listen to him. You're like, I'm, I got wall washy. You're like, wall washy, really? You sound like my grandmother. Um, (laughs) But um, I would say for me, like the one that I like the most is The Grinch. Jim Carrey's The Grinch. Oh, okay. My daughter There's a couple can't of them out now. Handle the song, so that's that's probably a year out for us. Okay. But I love the Grinch. Yeah. I love the Grinch it, Joe. But it's got to be the Jim Carrey. Hilarious. There was I, a new, I don't know a newer true. version of the cartoon version that came out. I don't know when. Kind of liked it. I didn't. It was okay. it, it was it still held to the story, but it had a different spin on all the stuff the that Benedict I heard. Cumberbatch. Was I maybe okay. I don't know. It just literally was on YouTube TV when I was flipping okay. through, and I was like, oh look. The Grinch, okay. I'll watch it. I was like, oh, it's not the old one. It's the newer one that's still animated. Yeah. So really enjoyed that one. Awesome. Well, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy holidays for everyone who's listening. We appreciate you all. As your listenership, we, we hope you have had an enjoyable break and a good Christmas season as well. Let's do some intros. We have some other stuff here. Uh, a couple, two events coming up. Um, we're already pushing March. So we're, we're hoping for warmer weather already. It's been cold up here. Uh, so... There are two conferences coming up, one over in ICC Wales next year. It'll be from March 14th to 18th. This is Sequel Bits, and I've been talking with other MVPs. This is like the event to go to. I believe the theme this year is Dungeons and Dragons. They have a themed like party night every like once a year. So Tommy, oh. you gotta you gotta dress oh, up, Tommy. Great. There is I, there is a party I, yeah. that occurs, and the theme is Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons. So you have to figure out who your character is, Tommy. Every is there any Italian Dungeons no. and Dragon characters? Fine. There's got to be. There's got to be like the evil cannoli or something like that. It's got to be evil. So because it's evil, it's trying to take over the world. That's what it's. It's, it's got way too many trans fats. That's yeah. Why. I don't. I don't way know what thread I was. <laughs> I don't know what thread I was reading, but yeah, all the, like for some reason this last week, I read. A whole bunch of people just saying, "Oh man, I can't go this year." Like they they throw the biggest best party, everybody mm-hmm. dresses up. So Tommy, you got to bring your A game. Proud. In. I know. Well, the agenda is officially out too. So I finally, I'm speaking on the Thursday of the conference. But oh, every wonderful. if you are going or looking at going now, you can see the times, the schedule, oh, cool. all the sessions, which is awesome. And then if you want five percent off of your your coupons, if you're listeners, so. This is our Christmas gift to you, 5% off at Sequel Bits. Use the discount code POWERBITIPS5 to get 5% off your tickets for the event. Then we have another virtual conference coming up. So if you don't want to travel to ICC Wales, you could uh, attend virtually. I believe all of us are talking on this one. So we're all going to have a session for this one. This is the Power BI uh, Summit. It's the virtual conference, and it'll be from March 6th to the 10th. A whole bunch of great people are going to be speaking. I don't think I've seen the lineup yet for the who's speaking yet, um, but I believe they're getting close to announcing some more details about the event. So another great event that's coming up. Hope to see you all there virtually as well. All right. On with that, we'll we'll move right on to our our topic for today. And actually, I think this topic today would be a Seth. Uh, Seth, this is a mailbag. I think we need the the Seth appropriate voice for yeah. mailbag items. Yes, this is a mailbag, is isn't it? Um, it's actually, well, we'll discuss whether or not the title of the show is on based on the mailbag question, but Correct. here we go. Frequent listener and responsible for BI at my company, 14BI developers. 
we have a large and centralized BI warehouse and use a MDM system to generate keys between objects from different sources, among other things that MDM supports. To my question, how strict should one be to always push new data sources through our framework before we build tabular models? When and where to draw the line of when it's okay to connect Power BI directly to a source system or a replica of the same to speed up deliveries, undermining the long-term support by not using our BI framework, bronze, silver, gold layers, and synapse. Thank you, Robin out of Stockholm for your question. This is a great question. You should it, never do it. Don't compromise on anything. Just kidding. That's, that's probably more. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. <laughs> bah, humbug. Bah, humbug. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great question. So I, I think there's a couple of things to unpack here. And I think, I think there's some definitions I want to throw on here as well. I really like the fact that you're using MDM inside your warehouse. And it sounds like, you know, now that you're talking kind of like the bronze, silver, gold layers, you're actually talking about more of like a lake house architecture. So I think that's very good that you're already on the idea of bronze, silver, gold layers as a lake house. I think it's going to serve you very well long-term. I'm going to, I, I'm, I feel like, this is going to be a case where I don't think you need to, well, this will be my opinion here. I, I, I lean back on Matthew Roach's kind of, you know, pyramid that he, we talk about this all the time. Uh, there's a lot of self-serving reports for uh, personal reporting or local groups or a couple, a small team. I don't think you need to always force every single report through the BI system unless I feel like it's going to be something that you're going to want to maintain long-term. Or if there's a prototype being made, I probably would be a little bit more lenient on the prototype, but not letting it be published to more than a larger audience. Um, you know, limiting what that can do, uh, limiting how much, how much it could be shared before it gets made into an actual app and moves to their, their actual BI framework. It, I think it's going to be a bit of a judgment call there. What are your guys' reactions to this question? Any, any thoughts around how you see this one kind of laying out here? Tommy, I think would probably err on the side of like corporate BI well, everything. No, honestly though, I, I think this question, or I think the answer is changing rapidly with the times of the technology right now. I agree. Where I, I think with Power BI's infrastructure um, and what you can do, and I think uh, to your point in terms of like having the template or at least having the model in Power BI, it's, a, it's incredible what that can scale and the what that can do and i think that it makes a lot of sense a lot of people don't have mdm or master data management but even if you do that there is usually a uh, longer turnaround time right to if any changes are needed i i would honestly say the the answer is changing rapidly with technology because power bi is becoming so much better and uh it's already something in the enterprise scale that i think there's a lot you can do with the from using the power bi model or directly in power bi that being said this goes back to our our uh, conversation about corporate data i think where the longer it stays out there the longer those data sources stay out there the the more likely or the more you're kind of pushing for something to get a little more complicated at the end but that's my initial reaction so uh, hmm. i i think I think we'll just we'll eventually get around to the points that you guys have made uh, previously because Tommy that that kind of flies in the face of a, a lot of what I recall you talking about in he's a lot of changes of opinion important to be more right accurate ac so so if you're talking about an MDM system right like obviously your organization especially when he mentions he's he manages or he's responsible for 14 BI developers that's a big team yeah it's a big org. So they're invested in master data management. So in, in the spectrum of things, I don't, I don't think I've been a part of master data management because, it, and I had to look this up as far as like, what do I do on a daily basis? What are, what are the responsibilities that I've had as a consultant before is m the majority of the time that's, that's ET, it's just ETL. You're moving data from one location to another. And while I have, um, big data experience where we have bronze, gold, silver, or bronze, silver, gold, those mean different things as it relates to just 
cleansing and bringing data from disparate sources into a centralized location where we've consol consolidated the data to have a central repository, right? An MDM system to me takes that a step further and tries to create single record entities. So it's much more data governance and creating like what is a customer for our organization. And bits of that customer could come from different sources, right? But the output of that master data management system is to say, like, everything we report on on the other side of this has been run through rigor, has been, you know, deduped. There's been data quality applied to it. There's a bunch of business rules that have been put into place here so that the expectation of the organization is, when you use this source, which like as he alludes to, kind of goes into a data warehouse, right? Like perfect scenario, like having an MDM does all of these cleansing and, and data uh, transformation uh, processes to make sure that your data warehouse is, is keyed on. Like you don't have any, a lot of the problems of just like ingesting from multiple sources, you know, into a data warehouse, like you've already solved all those problems. So what this outlines is like, in, for my question, like how I read his question is, well, if we have to add new different data sources to all of the things that we have to do for data governance, get it into our warehouse and then our reporting, there's obviously a long stream on that. There's a long tail, right? right? So how I read this is, you know, can, when, when do we go directly to the source? Because we don't have that coming out of our master data management system and these, these, you know, whether that ends up in a data warehouse or a tabular model or an enterprise data model, mm -hmm. like when is it okay to plug directly into that? And I think those are two different, points and i think they can both like sometimes it like with power bi it's obviously easy for us to say well yeah you can go just plug into the data but what's the sacrifice that you do and like when you make that decision and what are the decisions after the fact if you decide to do that and i think that's where the crux of this conversation comes in because there's a lot of points we've made across different podcasts around when is the right time to do something not just go flippantly grab a piece of data because we can. Right. A lot, of, a lot of good points I think you make in there, Seth. And I think I think I want to unpack, I think where you're going with some of this around defining what is master data management, I think is, is probably important to define, particularly in this question, right? My, again, this is my understanding of what master data management, how I read this question would be, master data management looks more like the idea of, we have a central location where people are able to enter data about various products. Now, one of the challenges, I've done a couple of master data management things in the past, and the challenge for me has always been, when we describe like the product or products that we are offering and or selling as an organization, whatever that master data management is, or we have a list of customers that we're maintaining, there's usually a lot of different, I'm thinking like, if I think, Here's how I put my head around it. Master data management is like this massive table. It's a very wide table. It's a lot of dimensional things about something, either products or customers or process or things that you own, things that, you're, that are important to the organization, whatever that may be. That wide table, as you look at the cross the columns of that table, there are typically rules on a column by column basis that have this column can be one of two or three or four options, right? We only make colors in like, for example, I just went to Lego out in Billen and in Lego, they only have, I, I, I want to say it was only like 150 colors. That's all they can use or 100 colors. I can't remember exactly the number, but there's like a minute, there's like a maximum of this many colors. That's all they can make Legos in. They don't have any more colors than that because they don't want to uh, have so much turnover when they make these bricks. So there's someone is maintaining the list of these are the colors that we are allowed to pick from. Anything you build new must be one of these colors. So someone's maintaining that information, but that team that maintains that information may be different from other teams, right? There's engineering that's involved. They're making molds and tools and dyes. There's marketing that's involved at doing something else. So there's a lot of teams that own various columns and inside each one of those columns 
are rules that would need to be applied to make sure that anyone who's creating or updating that data is adhering to some standards. So to me, the master data thing, I mean, that, that's, that's part of what I see master data management is doing. There's a, there's a regulated, metered area where people can go in and have different responsibilities per data field on things. And then the other half of, I think, what master data management is this business rules level, making sure that's clean, it's, uh, it's up to date. And then maybe my final area here is, depending on what tool you buy for master data, like if you buy um, like an SAP product or some external product that's, that's doing master data management for you, there are integrations you can do that push master data into other data systems. So you have a system that runs some operational data or a system that's running some data inside you know, a, a manufacturing system, whatever that is. Master data management can be such an integrated such that the, the records can be synchronized across different systems. So if we're talking systems that are doing those kind of master data management elements, the question I think I, I lean on right now is, okay, now we're facing the challenge of, we have this really clean data currently. There are gonna be other systems, either through acquisitions or new people turning on programs or someone, someone in the business buying a software suite that has data that should either link to master data or needs to be used in conjunction with master data. So something has to be joined. There has to be some kind of relationship being formed there. And so I think that's where I find, like to me, I think I would prototype a lot of this stuff by directly connecting with Power BI initially until I get through a prototype stage. Because unless your business, your BI team is super integrated with the business, there's a, probably a good amount of engineering that needs to be done with the information, the data to get it shaped in a way that's ready for Power BI. So I'll, I'll hang there for a second. What do you think, Tommy? We'll reflect. No, and I think there's a, there's the points to both what Yunsa said is. It makes a lot of sense because when we go back to the corporate data, it, it all goes back to what the final numbers are going to be. And Seth, you made a good point. Like if you're not using the right data sources or the right cleaned sources, you're probably not going to end up with the right numbers. So, which pretty good point in, in itself. And I think to me, as, as you're talking, Mike, I, I hear a lot of, there's got to be some like a decision tree or what are those dependencies? And this is what I'm trying to think of is like, what would be all those dependencies or parameters that you say, yes, we can use, uh, you know, the actual source or no, we actually need to use the final version Correct. because as much as obviously you want everyone to always as much as possible, use the cleaned version. Again, what are the most common complaints or things that we hear is it the long turnaround time. If we need a change and we're waiting for that to go through MDM or we're waiting to, you know, that could be weeks, months, and we don't have that, you know, that luxury. So, but at the same time, what are you compromising? And I think Seth, you put that question out in the forefront in the, um, initially, but as you were talking, Mike, the same thing is coming up is what there. And I think, it's a balance. Obviously, yeah, there's there needs to be that balance, but that's the really yeah. the crux of this. You're so. either going to be super flexible and right. not as quality, like you have the potential for having data that doesn't have as much quality, or you can be super rigid and ensure right. quality all the time coming out of that team. And again, this will be this will kind of depend, right? Is this is this team of BI professionals, the 14 of them, is this the only team? Like this is the only team in the entire organization that makes reports in Power BI. If yes, then I would argue that that team will have a spectrum, some reports that are just kind of put together quickly to see if someone is going to be able to use it. But I would also argue that team also doesn't want to manage every single data source, every single report for the entire organization through one central team or have every report doesn't need the same level of, of quality all the time. I think you should be able to, to your point, Tommy, define a little bit of a, a grid, a decision tree, a matrix here where there is a handful of data sources that need to be 100% accurate. It's getting to the right person. It's on the VP level of the organization. It's got high importance, right? There, there are certain reports that are going to have very much um, actionable items in it that need to be 100% correct. And the rigor of that team should be focusing on those data sets. When, thing, when there are options inside this world where there are, you know, again, I'm, I'm thinking about Another thought that's popping in my mind here is, as I think about the Power BI report build, you have the thin report, 
you have the data model, and then you have data flows. And so if you think about those three separate areas, a user, an external user, can consume those three things in, in basically at different levels, right? I could give you access only to reports by publishing apps. That's it. And you can read, read only them. You can't edit them. You can't make your own connections, whatever. I could also expose to you the data model. I could give you, here's, here's a workspace with just data models in it. I'm not even giving you a report. So the requirement there is, I'm not, you know, you can join that data. You can make a composite model. You could build what you want to build, but it can't be anything that comes off of that can't be certified because you're potentially adding or manipulating that data beyond what the BI team is doing. And then even further upstream, closer to where the source information is, and we're talking about bronze, silver, gold, that final gold layer could be landed inside a data flow. So again, these are like business rules or how you want to run your business, right? Some businesses will allow users to write SQL against their data warehouse. Other businesses are not comfortable with that. And they would say, no, here's a data flow. You can consume from this table in this data flow that the IT group will produce for you. And then you could build your own data models. So I think it has to be kind of, you know, an, an organizational decision as to when you're working with external teams from this Power BI 14 team member team, how far upstream do we want to allow our team to be able to edit, make their own models and do data? I think depends that's a on, key yeah. decision here. And yeah, it depends also on the, the organization of those BI, the BI team. Is it centralized? Is it a per department? I think that dictates a lot of that too. Well, if you look at the Power BI roadmap, you have like centralized team, which is like everything coming out of IT, right. or you have an entirely disparate team of center of excellence team members, right? So you, you kind of either have the central team that does everything or you have a totally decentralized team and no one owns anything. I don't think either one of those items work really, really well for organizations. I think a blend of that in the middle, somewhere like a federated approach, and that's what's talked about inside the Power BI adoption roadmap. The federated approach is where there is a central team that is maybe smaller, but there's a lot of hub and spokes going out to these different teams across the organization allowing the team or the organization to be capable right. to build their own reports on top of your data sets. But I think this is, to me, that the key here is, do these data sets, data flows, or reports need to be certified? If, if the answer is yes, I would 100% push you for stick it in, the, in a, the data warehouse. Maybe you prototype something with the caveat of, hey, we'll, we'll prototype something, but it's not certified, and then you can then at least let people see the report, deliver value quickly. Now that you know what you're building, after people approve the prototype, now you can go back through the steps of certifying it and figuring out, okay, we're not going to let people have sources through Excel. We're not going to let people pull things from SharePoint. We're not going to, like, you need to come up with those rules that say, this is what certified means to us as an organization. Well, I think that's the crux, right, of, of the question. The, the question and the answer, right, which is, when, when we're talking about MDM systems and big long tails, right, like where data may not exist or it's in in flight or in some backlog to get added, there there has to be a front end representation of the reports that are not solely coming off of that system or those systems. And if that's yes. the pinnacle of the certified data set, right, and and this is where I was rapidly trying to find the pyramid right of, of matthews where you have all mm -hmm. of you know personal data you have the, yes. the wild west of power bi that is providing a lot of value to the business mm -hmm. those could be individual contributors it could be your centralized bi team but like there's just you're getting data and you're pulling it together for people and it's helpful that doesn't that is not the same thing as um all of this curated data being combined, putting this together, building these systems and infrastructures to be able to support like the reporting for either a massive audience or the audience that is making key decisions within the organization that's going to have really big impacts. Because that's why you invest in all these tools, data analysis, the governance of data, like a ton of all of the things that we've discussed about are huge investments from an organization for a realized purpose. And you can't just start mixing stuff together and throwing them in an output 
that everybody expects comes from that same cleansed everything, right? So the minute that you start introducing this um, data source that isn't part of MDM, you automatically degrade or downgrade whatever level of report. So I guess my question to you is, do you have multiple versions of the same report then? Because I can absolutely see if I'm talking, if I'm, if we're looking at the pros, it's obvious, right? Power BI can easily integrate and, and connect to these source systems. There's absolutely ways we can merge that with master data management, you know, data, et cetera. Sure. But I think the minute you introduce a source outside of that work stream, you have to take it out of your pinnacle and you have to say, this is, yes. this is the streamlined version where you almost have to manage the reporting um, product along the same thing you know that you would from a strategy perspective of data getting through these systems and kind of manage the deployment of that um into that newer or higher level report or whatever the case may be i i love that because i think that we need to utilize some of the technology power bi has where right now we're talking about one or the other it's either master data management sources or directly to the source in power bi i would say to your point first yeah, if you're using the other sources or it's not coming from there, it is no longer be certified and utilize that cert the certified promoted labeling in Power BI. That should absolutely be part of this story here where not only is this a nice to have or you can do it if you want, it should be an essential part of what you're publishing in the app. Um, and really, we've talked about the certified before where it needs to have that, um, uh, say that like that, that power or that the the power of seeing that is certified so to speak right here yeah the alignment of those right. certification levels then need to be aligned to those back-end investments yes. in data and that's part of governance right like that the governance team of data and mastering management in the warehouse is not the bi team and i think somebody made this in the chat right the these should be disparate like at least separation of concerns from the standpoint that Business intel, like our reporting team, is designed to or should be designed to produce insights as quickly as we possibly can. And the fun thing about Power BI is you can, right? There's a short, short investment of getting access to data and producing a result. But at the same time, there are sacrifices to that mm -hmm. because it is not the same thing as something coming out, out through these other data enterprise systems mm -hmm. that then dovetail in and you can say 100% we're guaranteeing an SLA on this around data accuracy, cleanliness, timeliness, all of those super important things. And you're introducing risk factors, right? And because of that, you're you have to downgrade or have a way in which the organization understands that this isn't the best of the best. And like, I, I guess, from from what point, though, do you say, it has to go into the MDM part, right? Because from a business user perspective, like who makes the call? Is that the governance team that is essentially saying, this data absolutely needs to be part of the backlog, needs to be part of our system and ingest it for all these business reasons. Because from my understanding, MDM brings in the business logic, right? It brings in a lot of the business rules and things yep. that we want to, to apply and conform our data sets to. Um, and, as a result, it should always be part of the business to decide, or I should say the governance team, right, to introduce certain elements into that work stream, because there's another component of the business that we work with all the time, which mm -hmm. is, I, I don't care, just give it to me as fast as you can. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. But there, that's there usually, are trade-offs. That's usually, that's usually the question. I mean, and so this is, I think, the crux of the well, This is why we have the mantra, right? Act like the business, move fast, deliver value, produce something quickly but think like IT, do it in a sustainable, repeatable way that can be maintained or handed off to somebody else. Or like you need some additional rigor around what you're producing so that it's, it is consistent. And I think here's, again, this is, I think the technology, and I think to your point very early in the, in the conversation, Tommy here, the technology itself has influenced how much data we can give to people earlier in the process. I think traditionally what you would have is Anytime someone wants to add a new data source, you would then throw it over to the data engineering and BI team. They would go absorb those data sources, pull them into their warehouse. It would be there. 
eventually it would show up in some sort of cube or multi-dimensional thing that you could then go pull out those measures and dimensions and a whole bunch of business logic would be applied there. What I feel like is happening now is because now Power BI can be that semantic model of how data relates to yeah. each other, right? The fact that that is now much easier to use and I don't have to write SQL all day, every day, just to get the data to rebind itself, right? We're now able to make that semantic model in Power BI, which is a standalone desktop app that runs on your machine. That's, to me, that's like the innovative piece of this is you're, you're being given, like the reason I couldn't have done this like 10 years ago, because there was no tool out there to do it. I, I, I literally could not have loaded hundreds of millions of records into a single file and on my machine with software that was cheap and free. I mean, literally, go, go find another piece of software where you can load hundreds of millions of records into a single file and work on building data things. There's nothing out there, just not. So I think to me, like the technology has improved so much that computers have gotten more powerful. The technology is, is super sharp. Like the, that capability is now here and we have this new free Power BI tool and Donald, I, I see your, your point there, right? Power, power pivot in 2010, yeah, it could probably connect to a lot of data, but in 2010, it was an add-in you had to go add to your Excel. It wasn't, it wasn't like a free desk, I mean, it, it was a free download, but you still had to go buy Excel to make it work. So it, to me, it was still a paywall yeah. to even get to Excel at that point. And it was a quality experience, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, no, but I mean, I, I think it's, it's hilarious because when you're saying the technology, you're you're speaking just the connection the creating the, that semantic layer i think okay. when i when i'm referring to the technology now it's it's time we really start relying on that ability for the gold data sets that the, the fact that not only can we create that tabular model and power bi desktop create a framework infrastructure but then publish it and then you know create multiple reports off of that uh, it, I, I really think we're at a point now where if an organization is not relying on that in some capacity, they're they're more than just doing a uh, self-serve or d they're doing their self a disservice. I think that's uh, more than just a bad practice, too. I think that is such a huge part and it's generally available. It's not a private preview feature that is essential to an organization. Um I, I would say that as we're talking about this, we're really talking about, like, OK, is it MDM or, you know, is it certified or not? Because of the technology and because of what we can do with creating a data model, a data set in Power BI, publishing that and allowing others to publish, I, I see three layers. I see that MDM only, which is that certified and, you know, the best of the best, so to speak. But I think there's like a master Power BI layer here, too, where it is things that maybe is in that, that threshold or, or in the mix of something from the data flow, to your point, Mike things that we've, we've really been checking or verifying, but it's not all master data management, but these are gold data sets in a sense. And that can be allowing others to create, to allow that flexibility and to allow others to trust it. And also, somewhere in between. I, I also feel like too, like when you're bringing these other data sources into the master data management realm, right? The reason you have master data management is we can trust that information. Right. That's why you're trying to bring these other sources to the master data management piece because you already have clean, good, right. managed data, you have a process around that. So I, I would argue too, like as you're bringing in these external sources, there's definitely a use case for a non-certified data set, mm -hmm. something that your team will not own, or you're just getting something together quickly for a, a request, pulling in master data management pieces and joining that with these external sources with the idea that if this is a value, like, Again, a lot of this is, I feel like a lot of, I'm trying, I feel like what I'm, what I'm talking to is we're bringing the engineering closer, closer to where we're trying to decide if this is valuable or not, right? If I bring these sources together in Power BI and play with it and say, oh my gosh, we, we're missing all these data. Like we, we thought this join would work because you have all these, and these data engineering activities, you have these assumptions like, hey, if I just join on this column to that column, everything will work, boom. But when you build the Power BI report, you find out, oh my gosh, Look at how many, like we have half of our revenue is in blanks. That's not right. Whatever that thing is, right? So you have to figure out, okay, what is the missing data engineering piece that we're, we don't have? Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a complex key. Like there's all these kind of like things you assume as you bring more data to this data warehouse, but you kind of have to tease them out first. 
so to me i feel like there's definitely like this early early portion of yes if someone needs a quick report you have to really get the requirements of who's the audience how long is it going to run for and does this some does this need to be something that the central ti the bi team will have to manage eventually we can give you something now short term but leadership will have to recognize there's there's a lot of if we do that if we start behaving that way there is potential um virtuous waste or there's potential for a backlog item that now needs to be immediately created in order to sustain this long term what's interesting to me in, in this conversation where it's it's throwing me is the bi team like most likely has its hands in all of this right and it could mm -hmm. be that with 14 developers you're talking about a bunch of data engineers right that are supporting yeah. these systems or potentially the mdm in the warehouse yep. or it yep. could just be the bi reporting folks I guess what's interesting to me is like obviously the prep work be before a tool like Power BI where we could go to a source system, suck something in and just add it to a data set, right? Was a lot, a lot more. And this is kind of uh, showcasing that, right? You have a lot, lot longer tail to get into these systems before you get an output. And now we have systems where you can go just add on the missing piece of information. So the prep work is not the same, but the difference between like, pre tools that made this easy is it didn't matter you had to merge that data in some degree yes. so either you half hacked it on the back end right or mm -hmm. you had to go through the data engineering tasks to make it all work and when you're going down that route well if you're already half in you might as well go all the way and sure. there's a there's a delay there mm -hmm. what, what's 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 interesting to me about our conversation right now is um this this graduation of org, of strategies behind the scenes also Tommy to your point I think outlines in several front end capabilities that have to align with that of how right. you describe the data set to a customer right is it certified is it like is this the pinnacle of everything that we can do it comes yeah. out of the MDM if it's promoted it's a mix right or it's managed by a team where they're saying this should be as accurate as possible but there's parts of it that have not gone through this rigorous system of governance and then you have nothing but at the same time what this is doing in my head at least is it's it seems to be breaking out the teams even like the responsibilities of teams or the, re the responsibilities of individuals within a team to own parts of working within this data, data ecosystem because we now have the option right where we have front-end capabilities to circumvent an mdm process or like or cleaning data to its fullest like we have these ways in which we can understand whether or not it's it should be part of the mdm before mm -hmm. going and investing time in the mdm right so i think that's where a lot of these interesting parts to me are from the standpoint that well, we can use this as a cycle, right, to determine whether or not it 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 should be in part of the MDM. If we know it should be part, then I think it it lands in this promoted area where you delineate to the end user. Not everything comes out of here, right? You have to degrade your expectations to some degree. <laughs> versus, like, we will give you this thing. And it makes sense to me, like, where would you apply it? I could see it being in, like, a business unit or a particular area where that data source data comes from. Because you would basically be saying, these are the organizational levels of my master data, man master data, and I'm introducing your specific business unit of product, right? Or something to introduce that, that level of visibility that you may not have. Yes. But would I necessarily share that piece of information yeah. with all of the organization? I don't know, right? And that's where you certainly want to delineate in the reporting, but it, it like I said, it pushes that conversation of um, reporting is actually starting to dictate whether or not, you know, something may or may not get introduced into the overall backend data engineering tasks, right? And like, just to Dan's point, we do this all, a lot in data marts, right? You also like spin up backend systems and do these things without a full MDM or... Mm -hmm all the pieces in play because you have really large swaths of data now we can have very large volumes of data that are very business unit specific or streamlined into different things and it just adds to the complexity of the conversation but overall it, you know 
it, it's an interesting point to me where we're making that reporting on the front end ha has multiple opportunities to showcase where the best of the best data is coming from. And those showcases should level set the expectation from an end user related to 100% consistency, right? Like you you have to level set your, like an end user is always going to assume or, or you have to present valid data to them or they're going to lose trust. However, there could be downtime or there could be an issue that you encounter. Whereas like my certified level reporting, you shouldn't ever encounter that because I've got all of the things in place to trap 99.9999% of that, right? I really want to emphasize that promoted side of this. And I, I don't think it gets enough love either on our podcast or in the wider community. And the I think the... the the use cases for it and to your point of that that mix of it's not something that doesn't go unchecked it is something that still has protection it has governance around but it has enough flexibility and uh for the organization for to build reports where it doesn't have that same rigor that something certified that again is the best of the best is for uh finance or for you know looking at the kpis our actual numbers but using the promoted film, like, yeah, we are using things that we have checked and things are um, still have gone through a process. Maybe a lot of the dimensions are already in data flows, but it also allows for the flexibility of creating multiple reports rather than having one or the other, whether it's, it's certified or it's untrusted completely. I think this is such an essential part that like, I, I'm not utilizing enough now. And this conversation, I think, just proven to me, we have the technology front end with using that promoter label and backend or called backend, but using either composite models or the live data sets that we can really, really utilize this from a trust point of view. I, again, not saying it doesn't go through checks and balances and there's QA, which absolutely needs to be if it's promoted, but it's something that I think is something that is such an essential part of the arsenal that's just not utilized as much. And I, I think, I think there's, I feel like I hear you guys both saying it, and I just want to, I'm going to say just kind of like how I perceive you guys communicating about it as well. I think there's an expectation as you build stuff and push it out that you can, with that expectation, say, this will not be shared. This is not certified things. This doesn't go to a director or C-level. Like, I think you can put caveats on some of the stuff that says, here is the purpose of this report, and here's the scope of where this report should be able to go. And I think that's that's part of the data lineage story that I think you're talking to. It it is, but at the same time, um, I think what I'm saying is the the certification levels or, or endorsement levels on the front end, mm -hmm. whether that's the one you use in Power BI or a separate one where you're you're identifying that in a report or data set, right? Yeah. To the end user. Yes. Is if you're home, what I'm suggesting is saying you also are communicating the level of reporting that a person is getting in that report right mm -hmm. so that yes, even if yes, it does correct. go to a C, even if it does go to a c level if they're if they go okay well this is only at a promoted level like can i can yep. i rely on this product data 100% yes. the answer to that is well no there should Maybe. be a governance oh, yeah. well potentially right there should be a right. governance description of yes. when when this report hits this certain level, this is the this is the the tag we give it. If it's not in there, then maybe part yeah. of that rule is here's the data we're pulling from that from a different Correct. system that's going to be yes. different from something else, so that yes. the end user could say, oh well, that's not relevant. What I know, I'm getting data out of MDM or something, yes. and that's where I was just like leaning into a little bit of these, like what I in quote the states of data in in a report because you'd have to figure out like is it okay to always stay in that that middle tier right where yeah. we don't need to add it into the mdm system and we're just leveraging May 80 90 of the data for this report yes or is is it what is the criteria by which we do need to add it into that system and then what is the refactor that we need well, to do on a report or the upgrade correct. of, you know, when when that information gets into you like know, the, the cleanest model. Yep. And in all reality, as I'm saying that, like maybe it's 
maybe it's version different versions of production reporting, right? Where we think about a lot in development, QA, UAT, prod. Yep. Right. It's, yep. It's it's almost the same thing, just from the standpoint that it's like, yep. well, you have you could have two different versions of the same report. One's just going to be the beta version in production where we're going to be adding potentially these types of things. And the other, we're not touching unless we know it comes through these, these backend systems. Yes. But all in that is the governance around that and how you're communicating that to the organization so that the lay user understands that there's different criteria that they can rely on when ingesting information from them. And I, and I think there's this, this perception here. And I think, Dan hits Dan chats on this one. And says, um, "It's a really good point on this one. There, there's a there's a potentially need for that in in these reports that we're building. There may be an expectation. Like, so a couple things, right? A lot of reports today are built without minimal, without much documentation at all. Period, right? Mm -hmm. So I think I think there's also like a data culture thing that's being matured here as well. As you're saying, hey, look, these reports." Need to have some sort of like again another thing that would be maybe around the certified have level the data right? culture if you're on an MDM dude. Was that <laughs> you better you better have some things yeah, in place yeah, if, you're, if you're MDM and no 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 let me let me keep let me keep going here like it's it's the consumer of that information that needs the data culture right mm -hmm. so like there may be there's yeah. a, there's definitely 100 percent agree with you yeah. if you okay. have the MDM okay. there's a hundred percent in the BI team hundred percent communicated at all correct have you communicated it and so that's to yeah. me this is where. The, the power of the center of excellence really shines is because yeah. the center of excellence is that communication point between that BI team and the broader part of the organization where you can say, hey, I look, this, this report is now part of this promoted data, promoted thing. It has, here's the expectations on this report. This report is pulling from these sources. It has these things in it. So that, that page or that notes that goes along with that report. And this is why I think the center of excellence is so important because you will have these different requests. You will have people that just say, just throw it yeah. together and get it out the door. You will also have, we need this to be 100% accurate. It has to go through the data warehouse. There will be those decision points. And so when you can have a central place that describes the process, here's, here's a proof of concept type report, or here's a reporting that belongs in promoted areas. And you define what that is. The, the BI team may full and well know what's going on. But it's the communication to that externally of the people yeah. consuming those reports that's the really important portion. And then you could literally, you know, in your report, link to here's the definitions for what kind of report this is. And then this is also where you apply, you know, very specific branding around certified things, right? Again, you put a background that has a shield on it or some kind of logo from the BI team that lets people know that this is certified. And you don't let people copy that image or that background. You kind of hide that away from people people by, by embedding it in the report or data sets, right? The, the further, and again, I'm, I looked at the article again from that data culture, from the, the scope of content delivery, the, the number of users consuming this, the fewer users you have, the more personal BI it becomes. The larger the audience or the more important that audience becomes, that really becomes enterprise BI. And so clearly acknowledging that there's gonna be reports across the spectrum and then having policies around that makes sense. And then when those, so here's the thing I, I think is most important to me right now. When I have a report that's at the team BI level or the personal level, and someone decides that this is important and it needs to be promoted to departmental or enterprise BI, at that moment, you need to go back to that center of excellence and point at, here's our process on how to get you from where you're at to where you need to be. This is a two week, three week process. We're gonna go through these gates, these phase gates. We're gonna have these kind of data quality checks. We're gonna do these things. Does this report really need to be enterprise BI or departmental BI? And then you can have the conversation. Now you can push that report through the requirements to get it all the way through the MDM or enterprise data warehouse system. But, this is, it, oh, sorry. Right? Oh, I'm done, I'm done. No, it's such a great point, I, and I love it because last week I, I've been doing a lot of kind of org charting and figuring out. But this is this falls into, I guess, in my mind, what I meant by responsibilities, yeah. potentially within the same team, but technically yep. between teams, where yes. yes, where you're going to have folks that their main purpose is to understand like data, data sources, cleaning data, applying yes. business rules to data, creating. 100%. Those levels on the back end, but where a lot of I think organizations fall down is there's the 
there's a reporting side now of this where we can bring those insights faster, where we work with the business, where we work at making sure that, yes. you know, and we term it in data culture, but all yes. of these pieces are working together so that the different stages of data are hitting the right reports, that we're deploying things in the right way, that like yep. we're still providing it like value to the business in two different ways. One is as immediate as possible, right? As, as, as best we can with known risk factors. And I think Dan brought that up as far as like a risk yep. um, where you are introducing yeah. particular risks when in certain levels and the, yep. the business should be okay with that hundred yep. percent because yep. they get faster insights hmm? knowing that there's that organizational piece where the BI team is working within itself or across different teams to make sure that you're, you're raising the level of, um, what is it? Data awareness of, of um, data literacy mm -hmm. in your organization. You're bringing yes. everybody up. So it's not just this IT versus thing. We're introducing yes. these streams that nobody understands. Yep. Uh, IT is just delaying everything. Like that's yep. where you, you this gap widens because you're trying to implement all these strategies without yep. that data culture piece. And that's where yes. I think the BI team like part of its major charter should be that because we integrate with the business all the time. Yes. There's a layer of that team or the team itself that should be the integration point solving a lot of these. Is it a process thing? Is it a yes. communication thing? It is. What are the like enterprise strategies we have and are implementing alongside solving reporting problems? Because in that's, that's where the like it's the part, and part of the team can come yeah. from. Right. It, and I think I think for me, when I started looking at a lot of this stuff or when I got, went through this experience was it's a lot. Initially, I thought it was it's all about the data. It's all about the tool. It's all about the technology. But there's so much more process and people that are related to all of this. That yeah. Every single time you walk into these things, it's got to be a lot of like. We know the right thing to do and we know how long it potentially will take us. Yeah. I think that's pretty well known because we've, we've done it right. And everyone knows. Oh, we give this thing to the IT team. It's going to take them months and months and months to pull this day together, blah, blah, blah. Fine. But to have those expectations communicated to the reasoning behind why it is, and then making the business justify and really put their money where their mouth is, like maybe this report always stays in promoted state. Maybe it never makes it to certified because the there are other bigger data problems to solve that have to get done before. And this is where I think a lot of this ch challenge comes from. Um, you know, as you look at a hub and spoke approach, maybe maybe the IT organization steps back and says, hey, we're not gonna certify these things. Instead, we're gonna give you further access to more of that raw MDM data, either with a data mart or a data flow. Here's your access, Mr. Mr. Spoke. Go build what you wanna build. It's now, now, and then this, this is also another critical point here too. The content ownership of that thing has now moved to a different team. So that other team, if they want to quote unquote certify their own thing, they're more than welcome to. But we have rules at the organization that says if a spoke is gonna certify data sets, they must have identified an owner and a manager and this is how we release things. Again, it goes back to like communicating the process and the people to this, right? There's going to be very smart spokes in your company that will be more than capable to do what they got to do to build Power BI things. I'm I'm convinced. Every company I've seen, there's a there's a almost always there's a, a group of people that can do very capable BI things with Power BI. And so, yeah, just make sure you shift the ownership to them, and then it's on them. Hey, I and then again document it. Here's what here's what IT is owning. Like we're gonna only own up through this MDM portion and we stop at a data flow. Boom. Data sets, reports. That's on you, Mr. Spoke. You figure it out. Like that's well, that's on you. Yeah. And the last big part of this too is again, it, it all goes back to trust, right? And I yes. you said the PPT process, we're always gonna come back to that. I feel always. which is rightfully so, but it this is all about establishing trust with the audience, the organization, the consumers. And they have to be then therefore they have to have some part of this. Uh Dan made this point a bit ago, but I I wrote it down as well. We're also too here is like the type of report that we're showcasing because it's all about what at the end of the day, 
after the data models and whatever we're doing in DAX and, you know, uh, getting the right logic and the calculations and the sources, it's what the front end and what the user is going to see. None of the, everything that we did before, not that it doesn't matter, but that ultimately fails if we don't have something that's establishing the trust from the front end. So you may have a different type of report with the same data sources where it is more analytical, but maybe it's a little more, let's call it testing out or, or you know, exploratory. And I think the point of the communication with the team on what we're actually building, not just the data model, but the actual interface, the actual front end is an essential part of this too. But uh, yeah, Mike, the COE here, that communication, that can't, system, it, it this doesn't work. None of this works with yeah. what you're going to do with MDM or certified Correct. noted unless yep. you can define. And I, I will always go back to definitions, whether we're defining yes. things yes. in the data model or we're defining things of what does certified mean? Because Correct. your company may have a different a definition of what certified and promoted mean based on and I think. I think, Tommy, we've talked a lot about this in the past around like yeah. how good it is to have common definitions of what things are calculated from. Mm. However, I would also I'd also argue, too, as you as you move further away from that hub into the spokes, you're right. There could be a different definition in the spoke. Right. But we know that who's controlling that data set, that data flow or the report, the ownership, the steward. Again, this mm. is why data ownership is very important mm. here. If the ownership of that thing is in the BI team, they better have a documented definition of what this means. And then if the spoke takes it and makes their own definition, that's fine. But at least we know up front, these tables were made from the BI team. Everything else beyond this is made by the spoke or the, the business team that's utilizing this. And they may come up with different definitions and then at that point, that's why you have the executive sponsor to go up to these levels and say, hey, why are we getting numbers that are different? Well, this is why. And now you, now you have like the lineage. And this is, this is one thing I would really point out here is if you don't have a monitoring solution for who is consuming what in your, in your data, in your, in your company, you're already, you're already trying to build a BI department, a leg down, like a man down. Like you need to have reporting day one. You've got to have it for your premium capacity if you have it. You've got to see what people are looking at across your entire tenant. Because now, without that, you have no way of knowing who's building what, how much is it being consumed, what's occurring inside your warehouse. You just don't know. And like the more, the more organizations I see walk into this BI space, the more they need, just they don't even know what they're trying to measure yet. But they can't do any of that until they actually have numbers that support what they're doing, period. So, so like my, I'm getting very firm on day one, you turn on Power BI, you better talk to someone who knows how to monitor stuff and light that stuff up in your org. You got it. You got to get monitoring in there immediately so that you know, you can know what's going on. You can look for behaviors and then curb them or address them. And again, funnel all that good information back over to your center of excellence. It just, it makes so much sense. So I think a final thought for me is like for, for Robin, like should, should you? Yes. I, I think you should be able to connect to different sources of information and, and yes. float those into reports with the caveat that a lot of the questions that are, are asked um, about where uh, and, and in what stage do you do, you do this yes. is revolves around the other elements that Mike, you brought up at the end around the data culture. Like what are your yeah. governance rules? Like, do yep. you like this, this to me speaks to a lot of these discussions are on the backside. It should align also to the front. Like what is being Agreed. presented to the consumer and making sure that as you make those decisions on the backside, that the front side, meaning yep. the organization, the adoption of these rules, how governance is applied to reporting strategies, aligns to those same strategies you're trying to do on the back end right so that way yeah. that way as you're um providing insights with rapid connection there's also strategies behind the scenes to potentially promote that data into the mdm and then also show that data in a promoted state within a report so i think i think the alignment is just making sure that the visible layer as well as you know the the data engineering work are in sync in what hopefully you have already going from a, a, a data deployment and culture standpoint uh, throughout the organization. I totally agree with that one. Yeah.
my my last bit is I I think for Robin to, is yeah it starts with the data culture really because if if from hub to spoke from bi to organization if we're not speaking the same language and we're using different words for the same things it's going to be really hard to manage this and have this monitor over a long period of time i would agree yeah i'm I'm going to lean on this one saying um i think you're asking this question because there needs to be a stronger center of excellence there needs to be stronger process around getting from promoted to certified and communicating that to the external teams that are consuming what you're building, right? Data stewardship, data ownership is critical in this world. Um, I would also agree with Seth, connect to sources, do stuff, make things happen, go quickly, uh, but then clearly communicate what it takes to get to higher levels of data quality. And just be aware that there's gonna be a spectrum to that and communicate what that is expectation-wise, either in the report level or on your center of excellence. So you, people can then have that conversation around how important is this information. Well, you can clearly tell we've been on Christmas vacation. We definitely went over. We're usually like very tight on an hour. So we're sorry for going over. Um, if you like this conversation, if you felt like this was valuable to you, if you felt this was, was kind of interesting and, and engaging uh, from a Power BI side, our only ask to you, the audience, is please share this with somebody else. Let somebody else know um, that you enjoyed the podcast and you had an interesting, engaging conversation there because we love uh, the community here. We like it talking with you and the chat here has been amazing. Thank you all for the chat participating. Uh, to do us a favor and go ahead and share it with somebody else. Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? You can find the podcast anywhere they're available. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, Overcast. Uh, subscribe. Make sure to like it on or uh, star it on Spotify and Apple. Subscribe so you can get the new episodes. Join us live Tuesdays and Thursdays, Central, 7.30 a.m. Central Time. Yep. And uh, join the conversation. Thank you all very much. And we'll see you on Thursday.